At North Point Community Church, we are passionate about helping our community move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. And we hope this message helps you do that. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, has this weekend been emotional for anybody else? Um, <laughs> no, this is not an Ohio State joke. I am wearing black. Um, 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 thank you for your love. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> if you're watching in Oregon, we love you, okay? Sort of. Uh, uh, so I went down to Columbus yesterday for the game and, um, and started a book this week called the, the Only Plane in the Sky. That is a, it's a consolidation of first-person accounts from 9-11 20 years ago. Um, and it, it tore me up thinking back about what all that happened 20 years ago. Um, Friday night in the hotel, I, I watched Discovery Channel's um, shows about 9-11. Again, same thing. And, and at Ohio State, before the game, they do a pregame thing called Skull Session, and the, the band plays. And the first song that they play is Eternal Father, Strong to Save. Um, the band sings it, it beautifully and then plays. And it just made me so grateful for all of you who are first responders at any level, medical people, um, emergency personnel, service people, and I just, from the stage, want to say thank you to you all for what you do. Um, I can't imagine what it was like that Tuesday morning to go in to try and save people. I, I just can't imagine what they went through. Um, so yeah, thanks. All right, control emotions, move forward. Let me, let me say this before I jump into the message. If you have the app, in the app notes for the message, down at the bottom, there's a, a note there that says, that you, a button that you can click to ask questions about today's message. We're gonna start something new. We're gonna try it for the next three weeks as a part of this sermon series. If you have questions about the message, we're gonna record a podcast tomorrow afternoon and answer as many questions as we can. Um, I've got about five pages of stuff that I'm not gonna get to today, and we're gonna talk about that, some, some things that I wanna talk about uh, that's just kind of in addition to the message. So feel free to, to uh, go online on Tuesday on the North Point Facebook page, and you can kind of catch up and get that. Feel free to, to answer or to ask as many questions as you want as well. I, I didn't know what it was called until years later, all I knew was that the conversation that we were having was incredibly important. I was 19 years old. I was attending Cincinnati Bible College and, and really kind of having the time of my life. I was in a group that traveled each weekend representing Cincinnati Bible College throughout the Midwest. Um, my schedule was that I would go to class during the week. We, we would rehearse on Friday afternoon. We would climb into the station wagon and we would drive to a church, and once we'd get there, we'd hang out with the kids on Friday night. A lot of times we'd do a seminar, or workshop, or whatever on Saturday morning. On Sunday morning, this group that I traveled with would uh, sing special music, and then on Sunday night, we would usually uh, do a concert. We, uh, Kevin, Randy, John, and I, were the hope of glory singers. 
hogs for short, all right? Um, and we sang, we sang Southern gospel music. We sang what was then contemporary Christian music, which meant it was the music of the Imperials, if you're of that age that you remember. And we sang um, four-part men choral music that, that described who God was in just beautiful ways. Um, we would, uh, on those long road trips each weekend, uh, the, the guys that I traveled with together, we, we would have a great time. We'd tell jokes. We'd talk about the family. Uh, we'd, we'd share stories about the family that, whose home we stayed in, what they were like. We'd talk about our families, talk about what we were learning in class. We'd, we just had lots and lots of conversations as we traveled. We had a great accompanist who was really kind of the odd man out because she wasn't a man at all. Uh, she was a, a woman. She sat at the piano, she gave pointers as we rehearsed, and she made us sound better than we actually were. As the semester went on, and uh, we traveled together each weekend, the conversations that she and, a she and I had lasted longer into the night as we would travel. And typically, the guys would either be reading or fall asleep, and, and she and I would continue to have these conversations. I thought she was great, but I thought everybody in the group was great. Um, I was kind of happy-go-lucky. I lived in the moment. I enjoyed each day. And then one night at dinner, after we had rehearsed, she said, hey, could we go someplace and have a conversation tonight? I don't remember the details of that conversation, but I remember the essence of it. She said, is our relationship going in anywhere? It was, cue the dramatic music, the DTR conversation, right? Determine the relationship. I didn't know what that was at that point in time, but I knew it was really, really important. Um, she was asking, are, are we just casual friends? Are we just a part of this group? Or is there something more? Determine the relationship, DTR. This sermon series, Owning North Point, it's designed to challenge you to think through your relationship with the body of Christ here at North Point. Many of you have started attending North Point during the pandemic. Some because the pandemic made you think uh, about your relationship with God with fresh eyes. Some because the pandemic provided a challenge and checking out North Point just seemed to make sense. Whatever the case, you found your way to North Point and have settled in or are considering settling in. We wanna talk very plainly over the next several weeks about who we are, what we're about, and especially what it means to own North Point. Some of you have been a part of the church virtually for the last year and a half. My prayer is that this series of messages will help you have clarity for some next steps that you can take for whether you wanna connect virtually or in person in the future. Others of you have been a part of North Point for a long, long time. Being here is where your family is. It's what you do, it's who you are, it's comfortable. That's great, but perhaps this series can help you rethink your relationship to the body in a way that can bring freshness and excitement that you haven't had for a long time. Uh, 
at North Point, our mission as a church is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. If you've been around for any length of time, you've heard us say that, helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. That mission is all about evangelism, helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus, and discipleship, a life fully devoted to Jesus. Why is that our mission? Because eternity matters. It's easy for us to to move into a mindset where we measure everything by the here and now. But let me tell you, eternity matters, and that's why it's so important for us as a church to help all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. Um, if you've come to Second Sunday before, we're, we're gonna have that in a little bit, and I'll probably say it today as well. You've heard me say that we have two primary guardrails at North Point, the unity of believers and the authority of Scripture. We come from a lot of different backgrounds here. Uh, we come from a, uh, we have a, a lot of variety about finer points of theology. We do, however, agree that the Bible is the source of all that we believe in. We're always gonna go to scripture to find our answers. Not to me, not to the Pope, not to Martin Luther or John Calvin, not to Billy Graham or Charles Stanley, or Andy Stanley, or Francis Chan. Scripture is our source of truth. Scripture is how we learn about sin and salvation. Scripture, uh, uh, scripture is the framework for our understanding of who God is and how you can have a relationship with him. If you're here and you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and whether or not you wanna follow him, we're gonna try and push you into relationships with people, into life groups, for this reason, so that those people that, you sur that you're surrounded with will help you dive into scripture and will walk with you through that process. Because scripture is the tool, it's the, it's the foundation for how we grow spiritually, how we know God. Our, our vision at North Point, what we're, what we're focused on for the next uh, three, four years, is this, that everybody who calls North Point home would see Jesus working in their life and that they would share that ways, those ways that Jesus is working in their sphere of influence. If you've been around a while, you may have heard us talk about it as own, see, share. Own North Point, see Jesus working in your life. Share that with others in your sphere of influence. In the last year, we've really focused on what it means to see Jesus working in our lives. That's been really the, the foundation, the common thread through all of, our, all of our messages for this last year. For the next three or four weeks, we're gonna focus on what it means to own North Point. When you're dating, there's another critical milestone in your relationship besides the DTR, besides the determine the relationship conversation. It's that decision about when you're gonna go home with this person and meet the parents and extended family, like when you're gonna do a holiday. Some of you are smiling right now because you can remember when you did that for the first time, right? Um, when you take that step and meet the parents and the grandparents and that weird uncle, right? More often than not, you think one of two things. This is a family I would love to be a part of. Or you think, this is the strangest family ever, and as soon as we get home, I'm ending this relationship as soon as possible, right? Um, you, the background and the story help us understand who a person is. If you're brand new to the church thing, if you're trying to figure out 
what it means to follow Jesus. Let me give you just a little bit of backstory about the church. God made this incredible world, and he made it so that he could have a, a relationship with uh, the people that he created. The, 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 the crown jewel of his creation was Adam and Eve. God talked with them in the garden. He had this, this close relationship with them. And Adam and Eve loved that relationship, but they went ahead and blew it. They disobeyed God, and it caused this chasm, this, this brokenness in their relationship. God, God created a plan to fix that, and that plan was focused on his son coming to earth, living a perfect life, and taking the punishment of mankind on himself, going to the cross, and dying in our place so that that relationship with God could be restored. Jesus would take the punishment. Jesus would die as a result of coming. But God would restore him to life and make a way that that relationship could be restored, that death and sin could be conquered. When Jesus was teaching, before he ever went to the cross, before he uh, was killed, he described a, a part of the plan of what would happen when he went back into heaven. He, he was talking to, to the guys who were following him and, and described what it was going to look like. In Caesarea Philippi, in this, in, in this town, they're there, Jesus is talking to them, and Jesus says to them, this is in, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, who do people say I am? And the disciples say, ah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. And Jesus says to them, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. This is not something that you know just in your own wisdom, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you, you're Peter, and on this truth, on this rock, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades won't, won't overcome it. Church in the, in, the, uh, in the original language of the Bible, in the, in the Greek, is this word ekklesia. It means the gathering or those called out, the assembly. It describes this group of people who come together. Don't miss this because this is so important to understanding who we are. The church is, uh, describes a group of people, not a building. The church describes a group of people, not a building. It's a people, not a place. It's players, not fans in the stands. It's disciples committed to a cause, not consumers focused on their own needs. When I was growing up, I, I remember hearing people talk about the Lord's house uh, so, that they didn't, so that they didn't create a mixed message about the building where the church gathered. They would say, oh, you know what? Don't run in the Lord's house. Don't drink your coffee in the Lord's house. Oh, you can't say those words in the Lord's house. And that was good. It's good for us to have a place like this where we can come and have this sense of God's presence, where we can find peace and, and remember how God has spoken to us in the past, what he's saying to us today. But, but it misses something because we are the Lord's house. God lives in us, the people. The building is simply the place that we come to gather. So understand that the church is us. It's we who are disciples of Jesus. The church is described as the body of Christ in scripture. 
It's connected to Jesus. It can't be separated from Jesus. The body, we as a church, we are the expression of Jesus here on earth. Um, as we were talking about this in the teaching team, we had a really interesting conversation that I, that I just want to bring you in on. If, you, if you've got your Bibles and, and just want to jump to Acts 8 right now, Acts 7, in Acts 7, you'll find that Stephen preaches and he ultimately is martyred for the, for the uh, sermon that he preaches. He says to the Jewish leaders, you, you're hard-hearted, you killed the Messiah, and they kill Stephen. In Acts 8, at the beginning, it says a persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and everybody gets scattered except the apostles through Judea and Samaria. The, the church leaders bury Stephen. They mourn deeply for him. And then it says, but Saul, who was a Jewish leader who was there when Stephen preached, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Then if you jump to Acts chapter 9... It describes the story of Saul. He has, he has received permission from the, from the Jews in Jerusalem to go wherever and to, and to persecute, to arrest, to kill the followers of Jesus. It says this in verse 3 of Acts 9. As Saul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light came from heaven. It flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, he said. He said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Think back to Acts chapter eight. Who, had, who, who was Saul persecuting? The church. And Jesus said, I'm the one that you're persecuting. Jesus was clear that the church was his body. It was, it was connected to him directly. There was no separation. You can't separate Jesus from his body. You can't choose and embrace to follow Jesus and turn your back on the church. You can't give your life to Jesus and say, eh, I don't want to be a part of your body. I don't want to plug in. After Saul became a follower of Jesus, his life changed dramatically. And he began to no longer persecute the church, but he began to plant the church he began to go in places where the church didn't exist and talk about Jesus and raise up followers and create a gathering, an assembly of believers, a new church in that location. Look at what he wrote to, to a group of believers, the church in the city of Ephesus. Chapter one, um, Paul says, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. It's the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you skip over to chapter four, Paul says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Jesus supplied the resources so that the church, his body could grow. Just a few verses later, Paul says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and, together, uh, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Then, 
Then towards the end of the letter, Paul's teaching about how to relate to other people, um, what it looks like. And he, he speaks specifically to husbands and wives. And that's not where we're going in, in today's message. But I want you to hear the imagery that Paul uses in talking about the marriage relationship. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he's the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, to present to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Do you understand how much Christ loves the church? How it is the physical expression here on earth of who he is. Um, in, in my notes, in the, in the app notes, it says this. The church is Jesus bling, right? It's the big gold chain that he wears around his neck that says, oh, this is what it's all about. The radiance of Jesus is shown in the church. We make Jesus attractive to the world. Why is it so important to get that the body of Christ, that the church is the body of Christ? Because we show the world what Jesus is, who Jesus is, what he's like, what his characteristics are, his character is. Many of you have been hurt deeply by the church in the past. People have said or done things that have wounded you that have made you question God. The church has historically at times used truth as a club and sometimes done things so far from the heart of God. If you think big picture history, think about the Crusades. Think about losing sight of the purpose of the church, um, the, the purpose to which the church was called and being more focused on political change than heart change. The church in the past sold for money, forgiveness for sin. The church promised wealth and health. The church promoted slavery. The church hasn't always been glorious at all. I've been a part of the staff of six different churches over the last 41 years. During that time, we have experienced deep hurt, misunderstanding, and pain at the hands of the church. Sometimes it's been really, really hard. But there has always been a sense of beauty in the churches, the bride of Christ, people with whom we will share eternity, people we have loved and love us deeply, people who have forgiven graciously, who have served faithfully, who have modeled discipleship powerfully. In the six churches that I know, the body of Christ was beautiful. Twyla Paris described Jesus, our Savior, the one who came to earth to save us so well. And she described it in, in, in lyrics that she wrote that connect Jesus and his body, his bride, the church the bride of Christ. 
She wrote these words, how beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful the feet that walked the long dusty roads and the hill to the cross. How beautiful is the body of Christ. How beautiful the heart that bled that took all my sin and bore it instead. How beautiful the tender eyes that chose to forgive and never despise. How beautiful is the body of Christ. And as he lay down his life, we offer this sacrifice that we will live just as he died, willing to pay the price, willing to pay the price. How beautiful the radiant bride who waits for her groom with his light in her eyes. How beautiful with humble hearts when humble hearts give the fruit of pure lives so that others may live. How beautiful is the body of Christ. How beautiful the feet that bring the sound of good news and the love of the king. How beautiful are the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful is the body of Christ. Paul painted a picture for the church in Corinth for what it would look like to be a part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, he wrote this, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, no matter what your background. And we were all given one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. He then spells out that one part of the body can't, because of their desire to be like somebody else, decide that they're going to disassociate themselves from the body. He says, oh, you can't say, because I'm not like them, I'm no, I, I don't have any value, and quit the body. And then beyond that, he goes on to say, another part of the body can't be proud and say, oh, I can do all this stuff, and I don't need anybody else and stop paying attention to the rest of the body. He finishes beginning in verse 24 and says this, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Let me be clear. If you're a disciple of Jesus, and, and the way around here we describe a disciple of Jesus, a disciple is somebody who follows Jesus, who's being changed by Jesus from the inside out, and who's committed to the mission of, of Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus and are not connected to the body of Christ, you will not be healthy spiritually for very long. If you're a disciple of Jesus and you're mad at the church, you're spiritually crippling yourself. In this particular season with the pandemic, if you're only connected to the church virtually, if you're sick and, and sitting at home and can't connect to the body, if you have a place up north that has you gone every weekend, you have to work incredibly hard to stay healthy spiritually. 
You have to be praying for the body of Christ in general and specific people in particular, not just for their health needs, but for their spiritual health. You have to have some kind of ministry that has you engaged in encouraging and serving and building up the body of Christ while you stay virtual. You have to be even more intentional about giving generously to the church because our heart follows our finances. You have to be engaged in reading and studying and applying scripture with other members of the body of Christ, even while you're taking precautions and isolating or away from the body. You have to find ways to talk about Jesus and how Jesus is working in your life and ways that you can introduce people to Jesus who don't know him. For everybody who's virtual and when you're gone, Understand it, hear, hear me in this. I miss you when you're not here. I miss your encouragement. I miss your laughter. I miss your tears. I miss your voice in worship. I miss your ministry to your life group, your ministry to students or children, your ministry as we serve in the community. I miss seeing your faithfulness. I miss coming alongside you in your brokenness. I miss your example. And here's what's so critical. I'm not alone. I just had the voice this morning to be able to say this. As a body, when we're separated from each other, we are less than when we're together, less than when we're functioning together as the body of Christ. If the church is the body of Christ, the body has to be connected a body has to, has to share a skeletal system and a digestive system and a circulatory system and a neurosystem. The body needs all parts working together in order to be healthy. If one part doesn't work, it affects the rest of the body. If one part of the body is amputated, the entire body experiences phantom pain. The body learns to function without that part but it's never the same and it never sees itself the same. Every part of the body cares about the health of the rest of the body. Fingers care about a splinter in a toe. Brain cares about dysfunction in the liver. Shoulder cares about broken ribs. Each, each part our eyes identify the nourishment that the body needs. Hands and fingers get the food into the mouth. Teeth and jaws chew it up. Esophagus swallows. Stomach digests. Kidneys cleanse. Core muscles create room for our lungs to expand. Lungs oxygenate blood and get rid of healthy, uh, uh, get rid of deadly carbon dioxide. Heart pumps oxygenated blood throughout the body. Legs get the body into bed for rest. Eyes shut down the stimuli that keep the body awake. When one part of the body isn't functioning, everything gets messed up. I hear you right now. You're saying, Rick, are you talking about North Point? Are you talking about something bigger than North Point when you talk about the body of Christ? The answer is yes and yes, right? Scripture is clear that there are two different um, understandings of the church. There's the big C church, the church universal, and there's local gatherings of the church as well. When Jesus said, I will build my church on this truth, Peter, 
He was talking about the church, church universal. There was just going one church. But as the, as the persecution came and, and Christians scattered, there began to be local gatherings, local assemblies of the church. Um, you, you find them throughout the letters in the New Testament. In Galatians, Paul, Paul, it starts this way. Paul, an apostle, to the churches, to the local gatherings of believers in Galatia. He finishes his letter to the Corinthians and says, the churches, the gatherings there, in the province of Asia, send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. So does the church that meets um, at their house. So the church, universal, the big C church, is meeting today all over the world. They've gathered, gathered intentionally for worship, for teaching, for communion, for prayer. They gather in buildings and homes, under trees, in broad daylight and in secret in groups that number thousands and groups that are probably counted in uh, the fingers on one hand. We are a part of the Big C Church with disciples all over the world. But there are also local gatherings of the church. Churches with denominational names like Methodists and Nazarene and Assembly of God and Lutherans and Presbyterians and Evangelical Free and Christian Missionary Alliance and what feels like hundreds of varieties of Baptists, right? Um, if the church is supposed to be one body, how'd that happen? Here, here's just the snapshot view. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter and the apostles preached, 3,000 people responded. They were baptized that day, and the church was launched. When the persecution came, the church began to be scattered beyond Jerusalem. In 1054, the church that had really been one church that was just meeting in lots of places split between the East and the West, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the, and the Roman Catholic Church in the West. In 1517, 500 years later, so we're now 15 years after Jesus, um, the, the Protestant Reformation began. There were things going on in the Catholic Church and, and a bunch of people said, you know what, this is not what the church is supposed to be. And they protested those things, the Protestant Reformation. Um, over time, there were divisions that came from the protesters as they sought to, 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 to shape the church to model what they found in the New Testament. And sometimes those, those uh, convictions that they held got tied into cultural things that were going on as well. And that created denominations and splits and separations, divisions among the church. We look back on that and we think, that's crazy. Why do, would they do that? Understand that we're living that out right now because there are churches that are mask mandate churches and churches that are non-mask churches. There are churches that are vaccinated churches and churches that are not vaccinated churches. And, and all of those have biblical um, background, that they use biblical grounds to justify where they are. Um, at North Point, we wanna be a church for the mid-Michigan community, not just a wit, that encourages people to study scripture and to find principles that give clarity to life's most difficult questions. But we think that we can find unity in following Jesus, in being changed by Jesus, in pursuing the mission of Jesus, even if our convictions about masks and vaccines don't all align. We wanna help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. 
I want to talk more about our history here at North Point. Um, uh, I'm gonna, it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's an incredible story filled with heroic, heroic faith and decisions to follow Jesus, even when it was hard. Um, I've got, a, I've got about five more minutes, and I, I just wanted, I want to dive into this because I think it's so important. How do you know, how, how do you become a member of the church, of the body of Christ? How, how do you do that? What's that look like? We're gonna in, unpack that in a greater way in the next couple of weeks as well, but let me lay a foundation right now. It's not, the, how do you know if you're a member of the body of Christ? It's not by whether or not your name is on a list of a church, a membership list. There's no concept of that in scripture. Committing to a local body of believers is a step in the process that we're gonna talk more about. But the Bible never talks about whether your name is on a list of a church. Membership in the body of Christ is more than having your name on a list. How do you become a member of the body of Christ? It's pretty simple, become a disciple of Jesus. Follow him, be changed by him. Live a life committed to the mission of Jesus here on earth, to seek and save the lost, to live a life fully devoted to God, giving him all of your heart. How's the Bible describe that? Let me give you six things. These are in the app notes. You can, you can dive into them more later. The first thing that you've gotta do is believe that God is real, that your sin is real, and that your sin is despicable and that it separates you from God and that Jesus came to earth to pay the penalty for your sin. Believe that God's real. The second thing that you've gotta do is place your faith in Jesus to make your relationship with God right. Your relationship with God is not about good works. It's not about who you know. It's not about whether your parents were Christians or not. It's not about whether you're an American. It's about trusting Jesus fully. The third thing that, that, that you've gotta do as a part of that process is to repent of your sin, to be so sorry for the things that you do that separate you from God that you turn away from them. While you may still sin, your heart and your direction, the direction of your life changes because you know how much it hurts God, how much it impacts your relationship with him. The fourth thing, is to confess Jesus in front of others, to talk about what he's doing in your life, to talk about how Jesus has changed your mindset and your worldview and how he has turned your life upside down once you placed your trust in him. The, the fifth thing is to, is to make a public step, of uh, a public affirmation of your faith to be baptized. The Bible, Paul in his letter to the Corinthians talks about being baptized into the body of Christ. Understand that there is no biblical foundation for being baptized to become a member of a local church. In scripture, baptism was what brought you into the body of Christ. It was the way in the first century people said yes to Jesus. It's an important step. We know historically that, that both in the church and in the pagan world, when a person was baptized, they put their life on the line. It was the defining mark that said, yeah, they're a part of the body of Christ. And the last thing, the sixth thing, is that you live a life pursuing Jesus, that you live that life of the disciple, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, uh, living out a, a life committed to the mission of Jesus. That conversation my sophomore year in college changed my life. I decided I wanted a relationship with that girl that I keep 
kept having those late night conversations in the station wagon with. A casual relationship was not good enough for me. Two years later, we were married. 40 years later, Deb continues to encourage me and challenge me and love me and make me so grateful for that determine the relationship conversation that we had that night. Jesus says to you, behold, I stand at the door and knock. More than anything, I want you to be a part of my body. My body will be so much more healthy and vibrant with you living a life sold out to me, empowered by me, walking with me. The question is, is that what you want? Determine the relationship. Are there some changes that you need to make because of that desire? The great thing is that you don't have to do that alone. Jesus gave us his spirit for that very purpose. Next week, we're gonna unpack what it looks like to live as a part of the church, the body of Christ. I hope you'll be here. Let's, let's pray. Father, I, I uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word and the imagery that's there. God, I thank you that you made us to be the body of Jesus, to show the world who you are, what his character is. God, um, my deepest prayer is that, that we would give consideration to our relationship with you, whether it's casual, whether it's just kind of getting started, whether it's grown stale. God, that you would help us determine what that relationship is and where it needs to go. God, um, draw us to you, change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.